Well, let's do it. Welcome on in. This is the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. The Bengals falling to the Chicago Bears this afternoon in Soldier Field in Chicago, 20-17. We have got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm Alex Frank, Justin Cashman joining me, as always, here on the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. Justin, the Bengals, um, it was definitely not a well-played game on either side. Uh, That includes the Bengals. They did not look nearly as crisp sharp as they did in week one uh struggled to move the ball consistently throughout pretty much the entire game uh only reached the red zone one time and that was a gift to them because they got it they got that trip to the red zone off an interception and they only ran one play in the red zone today uh joe burrow struggled three interceptions on three straight passes in the fourth quarter the next thing you know the Bengals are down 20 to three although joe burrow did Rally the Bengals back to within three, a chance to get a defensive stop, to go down and maybe tie or win the game. But ultimately, the Bengals' defense did not get that stop. The Bengals falling to one and one. Justin, what? It, uh, remember, we had this conversation back in the summer. When do we start criticizing Joe Burrow? After today, are you ready to start judging Joe Burrow by wins and losses? Uh, I mean, uh, of course, I'm obviously ready. I mean, uh, if he's going to play poorly, then I'm going to criticize him. And I'm, just because he is Joe Burrow doesn't mean that he can't take the heat. He does, doesn't mean he can't get criticism. He played very poorly. Three interceptions on three passes on three straight drives. That was terrible. One, including a pick six by Roquan Smith. Um, that was easily the worst I've ever seen Joe Burrow play, maybe except for the game against the Steelers last year in Pittsburgh. Um, it was a very poor game. And, it wasn't just Joe Burrow. It was very bad play calling by Zach Taylor. I, I put a lot of this game on Zach Taylor. I never want to see another empty set in my entire life. That's, it seemed like we were running an empty set almost every single down for some reason, and I don't know why, and it wasn't working, and they weren't going away from it. And this defensive front for Chicago was playing very, very well. And I think after the Vikings game last week, we were on such a high, and then we saw the Bears get pummeled by the Rams. Um, and I think we kind of forgot that the Bears actually have a very good defense, highlighted by Khalil Mack, one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL, Robert Quinn, Alex Ogletree, um, and then they have a pretty good secondary. So I don't want to say that I was going to this game expecting us to kill the Bears, but I was not expecting us to play that poorly on offense. They couldn't get anything going. The offensive line played very poorly, allowed five sacks. Um, it's just it was a very poor – or sorry, excuse me, four sacks, um, six tackles for loss. Uh, it was a very poorly played game by this entire offense, and the defense kept us in the game the entire time. Even though it seemed like at you know moments we were out of it, there was no way we were coming back. The defense kept us in it, in it, and our defensive line I think played very, very well. Had 123 yards of rushing offense. That's only they only had 83 passing yards, and so you know for a little over 200 total yards, I think that's very good for this defense. Because um, they have weapons on offense. Uh, don't get me wrong. They do have weapons on the offense. But, um, you know, I think next week, I think Joe Burrow, we saw it. I mean, he threw those three interceptions, but then he came right back and threw for two touchdowns, one to Jamar Chase, one to T. Higgins. So, um, you know, I'm going to criticize him for what he did wrong. But him coming back and being able to keep his composure and make those plays when we needed it the most, um, you know, good good for him. I'm happy for him. But he, he can't play like that again next week against the Steelers on the road or we're going to get pummeled. There's no doubt that Joe Burrow, the one thing you can't deny is his competitive spirit. I mean, you don't come into the NFL on the heels of a 6,000-yard, 60-touchdown pass season at LSU, arguably the greatest season for any quarterback in the history of college football, and not have a competitive spirit. I mean, he's a guy who has repeatedly said, Justin, that he doesn't mind getting hit. Now, nine sacks through two games, that's not good. Let's be honest. For an offensive line that we heard was, quote-unquote, improved. Yeah, please. Uh, nine sacks through two games. Need I say it a third time? Um, the defense you mentioned, I thought they played well today. How about um, three sacks? Was it, I think it was actually four sacks. Four sacks, six tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, four passes defended. Those stats, it was three sacks. Those stats are what we did not see last year. 
You talk about limiting an, limiting another running back to just 61 yards on the ground on 20 carries in David Montgomery, who was a player I was worried about coming into today's game. So there was some good, but a lot of bad and a lot of ugly. And you bring up the empty sets. Why, why are you running an empty set from your own five-yard line? No NFL team does that. At least not one that I saw today. You, you don't run an empty set from the five-yard line. If you want to run it on second and whatever, maybe five for a midfield, okay, that's fine. But from your own five-yard line, A, that's a great way to get your quarterback killed, especially with a defense like Chicago, and B, you're trying to, you know, play the field position game there. Well, you're passing the ball, and in a game where the Bengals receivers struggle to get open, what are the chances of you succeeding on that play? Because then Chicago can send everybody, and there's only five guys that are there to block. You don't have a running back there to pick up a blitz. You don't have a tight end. What are we doing? What are we doing? We, we, we praised this coaching staff last week for their play calling. Today's play calling sucked. Sucked. And Jamar Chase said in his press conference, he even said that we didn't even want to take the deep shots down the field until too late in the game. And, I mean, he's completely right. I think he has, you know, every right to be mad that Zach Taylor didn't want to dial up a deep pass until, you know, the early fourth quarter. I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah, you're running all these empty sets and you're passing the ball a lot, but if you're just throwing a little five-yard dink to your wide receivers who can't even get open, then you're not going to get anywhere. They were 50% on third downs. They were not good at all. So if you're going to go empty set that much, then at least throw it down the field. Don't be so conservative. I don't understand why the offense was just so lackluster. I just don't get it. I don't know why Zach Taylor went from last week being all gutsy and uh, wanting to make you know the big throws down the field um, on third downs and just throughout the entire game. And then this week, as soon as we actually play what I think is a better defense in Chicago, we decide that we're just going to dink it down a bunch. And he's acting like the Chicago defense is a bunch of nobodies. They have a lot of very good, talented players. So I don't know what we're doing. You know, Zach Taylor, he's what, like 7-26-1 in his Bengals career? I just don't understand how many, how many more games is it going to take for us to realize that he's not the guy. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to say that he needs to be fired right now, but how do you, what, what do we talk about the last show after the Vikings game is how is this team going to capitalize after a win? How are they going to capitalize once they have success? And what are they going to do once they have that taste of success? Are they going to ride that momentum and bring it into the next game? Or are they just going to, you know, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle winning because they haven't done very much for the last few years. And then they go into this game and they show that they can't capitalize off a win. They can't keep that momentum. It, it, it's just very frustrating. And you go into a week next week at Pittsburgh. And we said all offseason, once the schedule came out, is that this team needed to win at least two of these games, two of the first four games, to be considered, okay, maybe they can actually you know, make it into the final wild card playoff spot in the AFC. And to me, the Bears and the Jaguars were the two games I thought for sure we would win. The Vikings and Steelers I thought were up in the air because those are two pretty talented teams. And then you beat Minnesota in overtime, and then you lose on the road to a beaten-down Bears offense who has talent, but you don't have your quarterback. You have Andy Dalton starting. Justin Fields is good, but he's still a rookie. You go into Chicago, and you just get your ass kicked. It just makes no sense. So it's like, if you know what you did in the first game that made you successful, why don't you carry that over into the second game? Don't get all fancy. You know, Just do what you know works, and then as soon as you, something starts to not work, then move away from it. Don't keep you know, beating a dead horse. We talk about um, identity what this team's identity is. And I don't know what it is, Justin, because if you're going to coach aggressive, actually coach aggressive, like don't run and, or, or at least be, I should say at least be consistent. If you're going to coach aggressive, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run empty sets from the five yard line. But if you're going to, if you're all about being aggressive, don't take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. Like, if you get six yards on a first and ten run on second and four, take a shot down the field or take a shot up the seam. Take a shot on a crossing route. 
Zach Taylor is taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. And in this game, when Joe Burrow needed to throw, he threw three interceptions. I mean, keep this in mind. For as bad as the Bengals played today, Justin, the game was 10-3 with 10.55 to go in the fourth quarter. And the Bengals are driving. They are driving down the field. Um, poised to tie the game. They're at the, they're at Chicago's 48-yard line. It's third down and three. If the Bengals get a first down there, they have some momentum. And it felt like to me, at the start of the second half, they had a little bit of it. They drove down and scored in their first possession. They got a strip sack, um, on their first defensive possession. Should have been a fumble recovery by Logan Wilson. T. Higgins catches the ball over the middle. Yes, he fumbles, but it felt like the Bengals' offense was starting to maybe get into a rhythm. And then, when Joe Burrow needed to make a throw, he did not. But what's your identity if you preach aggressiveness, but you take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands? You're not taking a shot down the field. You drafted Jamar Chase, number five overall, for for one reason. Well, for a hoist of reasons. But one of those reasons was to take the top off the defense. But you can't do that if you're only taking one shot a game. You can't do that if you're only taking one shot a game to T. Higgins. You have to be willing to say to Joe Burrow, hey, this is your team. Take shots. Go win us a football game. And unfortunately, in most games throughout his career, he hasn't done that. He's now 3-8-1. and one. And I know this city has a love affair with Joe Burrow. And that's great. Because we haven't had a, an, an athlete with the Bengals, with the Reds, with, you know, mainly with those two teams, to really rally around. Like you see Kansas City rally around Patrick Mahomes, Baltimore rally around Lamar Jackson, whoever it is. And so this city has a love affair with Joe Burrow. And as a result, last year when the Bengals lost games, who do we attribute that to? Those losses to the offensive line of the coaching staff. But now, after today, it's clear that Joe Burrow, for as great as he is, I think, and for as, and for as great of a statistical quarterback he's been so far through the first 12 games of his career, he's got to start putting up wins. And part of that is the coaching staff maybe giving him a little more freedom. Maybe not, you know, he has more freedom, yes, but I'm talking about not taking the ball out of his hands. Not coaching conservative. Don't try to coach aggressive and then not be aggressive. That's just, that's just inconsistency. That's not having an identity. That's not practicing what you're preaching. And it's very frustrating to watch this offense play because it can be so much better and so much more lethal if they utilize the weapons the right way. And it's consistent coaching. And shame on Zach Taylor, because you have a guy in Joe Burrow who everyone says is a savior of Cincinnati, who's a guy that could potentially lead us to, to the Super Bowl and maybe even winning a Super Bowl. But you have to put the ball in his hands in those crucial moments in those big plays to let him do things that you know that he can do, but they're not letting him do that. And, you know, part of it is obviously the offensive line is not playing very well at all. They're playing like they did last year. They're not playing well. And the other thing that I have not understood so far through two games is why is there no usage of the tight ends whatsoever? CJ Uzama had one target last week on that fourth and one uh, in overtime that ended up winning us the game. And then this week, only two targets, two catches for four yards for CJ Uzama, not a single target for Drew Sample. And I get that this offensive line isn't playing very well, and Drew Sample is a very good blocking tight end. But Drew Sample actually had a very good year last year. I mean, it wasn't up there with the Travis Kelsey and the George Kittles of the world, but he did play very, very well. He's, and he showed that he's way more than a blocking tight end. I mean, you drafted him in the second round of the NFL draft a couple years ago. Why are we not targeting C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample? I get that you have Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. That's great. But what's a young quarterback's best friend is a tight end. Last year before C.J. Uzama got hurt, Joe Burrow and C.J. Uzama were doing very well. C.J. Uzama was playing very well, and obviously he got hurt in that second game against the Browns, had a touchdown pass or a catch in that game. 
But why are we not targeting those guys? Obviously, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase were not getting open. They were being blanketed by the uh, corners all, all game. So it's like, at least do, do a tight end screen. Do something. You have to get some momentum for this offense because it was so stale for the entire, up until maybe the fourth quarter. I mean, basically for the, re- for the entire game. So it's like, use all your weapons. Yeah, you have Joe Mixon. Yeah, you have Tyler Boyd. Yeah, you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. That's awesome. But a young quarterback's best friend is going to be a tight end. Look at Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Look at Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews. Two of the best young quarterbacks who have amazing tight ends, and that's because they know how to utilize them. And as far as the play, play calling goes, it's just so stale. And like I mentioned earlier, if it's not working, go away from it. But if you know that something worked, like it worked last week in Minnesota, then stick with it. Take those deep shots down the field. You, you drafted Jamar Chase fifth overall in the draft for a reason because you saw him at LSU with Joe Burrow make those plays. And it's just so frustrating because we know what this team is capable of, but if we don't have the right schemes and the right play calling, then we're not going to be able to do any of that. Yeah, and, and here's the difference between last week and this week. It's like winning takes care of a lot of things. Like, we didn't really talk about the offensive line last week despite them giving up five sacks to against Minnesota because the Bengals won the football game and there were so many things that they did well to win. But then you come to today, and you mentioned it earlier, Justin, this team being able to capitalize off of wins and take that next step, and they simply did not do that. And now we go back to all the questions. You know, how much, you know, did they really improve the offensive, did this team in front office really improve the offensive line in the offseason? You know, what are we doing with the play calling? What are we, what are they doing with, you know, schemes? You know, just all the questions that keep coming up with this football team as they have, as they did last year, as maybe they did so in 2019, although that was a different time considering the personnel was different, but still, the questions that were present last year and burning questions are now back this year. By the way, the the Chiefs, I, I just noticed this. Uh, at the time this is being recorded, the Chiefs lead the Ravens 14-7, to start of the second quarter, Sunday Night Football in Baltimore. The Chiefs have a third and 39. Uh, for the record, they did not convert. They got about 10 yards, so they're going to punt. Uh, keep your eye on that game because the good news is this. The Bengals will wake up. To, the Bengals will wake up tomorrow in a tie for first place, with for sure the Browns and the Steelers. Who both uh, the Browns won today, the Steelers lost. The Ravens may be tied for first place with every other team in the division if they win tonight, or they'll be the lone team in last place at 0 and 2. But anyway, back to this game today. Um, you think about coming in prepared. You think about coming prepared, Justin. We talk about preparation. And I watched the Bears game against the Rams. I watched it over. And the one thing I noticed, the one thing I noticed, and I really liked it, was the Rams would have a tight formation on the right side, on the right side, to counter for Khalil Mack. They'd have two guys ready. And they did a phenomenal job on Khalil Mack. He had one quarterback pressure today, or last Sunday against the Rams. Just one. One quarterback pressure. Because the Rams, what they did was, by them taking shots down the field, it opened them up to those underneath routes to Tyler Higby, the tight end. It opened them up to being able to run the football. They came in They came in with a game plan and a way to, you know, disrupt Khalil Mack's pass rushing abilities. And the Bengals today decided, you know what? We're going to stretch the field because we saw, and maybe this is what they thought. We're going to stretch the field. Because we saw the Bears secondary last week. Well, then why are you throwing three-yard passes? If you're going to take shots, take shots again. Just identify what you want to do, what what you want the game plan to be, and do it. Don't just come in here and say, well, we're going to try this, well, we're going to try that. No. You have to have a game plan. What was the game plan today? Honest question, Justin. What was the game plan today for this team? I couldn't even tell you. It didn't seem like they, they. It didn't even seem like they came in with a game plan. I mean, if it was just to throw short passes, five yards past the line of scrimmage, then I guess that was their game plan because that's what they did all game. And Joe Mixon, twenty carries, but even though he has twenty carries, I feel like he never really even got the chance to get into a rhythm because it was so sporadic, and it was so. I, I, I mean, twenty carries for sixty-nine yards. Yeah, the offensive line didn't help him very much. 
Let's just, like, if you want to get Joe Mixon going, at least give him the ball more and at least run him consistently. Don't let him get into a rhythm. If you're just handing the ball off once every drive, maybe twice, that's not going to do anything for you. But, yeah, the game plan, it was non-existent. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't even tell you. It's one thing we commented last week. Like, did you feel like the Bengals had a game plan last week against Minnesota? Yeah, more so than today, yeah. But I think also last week was more about, um, you know, just seeing what they have in all their weapons and if Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase connection is actually real. Um, seeing how all their new pieces fit into the system together and, you know, end up working out. But today it just seemed like they were like, ah, screw it. We're just going to go with the talent that we know we have and, you know, screw the game plan. We're just going to go in here, guns a-blazing, and not really do anything. It's one thing to have talent, but it's another thing to actually know what that talent does. Like, you look at Kansas City. They have, they have all the talent practically in the world, but they come in with a game plan. Andy Reid, I, I heard something earlier this weekend, Justin, that Andy Reid not only scripts the first 15 plays of the game that's coming up on their schedule, he will do it for the first six games of the season. They come in with a plan. And yes, it might involve spreading the ball around. It might involve airing the ball out. You know what? At least they know what their talent is. At least they know who they have in their quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. And they say, we know what we're going to do. We're coming at you with this. Try and stop it. If we don't, we, we will make adjustments. That's what great football teams do. The Bears today, they came out with a plan. Andy Dalton got the ball out quick on the first possession. Boom, they're up 7 to nothing. Defensively, they were going to blanket the wide receivers. Higgins. Chase, and as a result, they were going to come in and pressure Joe Burrow from both sides. It wasn't from the it wasn't from the interior line. I didn't notice any glaring mishaps from the interior line today, which is good considering that's what was a glaring weakness on last Sunday against Minnesota. What I noticed today was Jonah Williams not there yet. Riley Reef, ten-year veteran, did not look great for a guy who has gone up against Khalil Mack the last three years. Um, being in the NFC North with Minnesota. I mean, it is a problem. If Joe Burrow, it, I mean, he's not being protected. And you can blame whatever you want. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame the coaching staff. I will say this. The game was 10-3 to in the fourth quarter. The defense showed up once again. Trey Hendrickson was a great signing in free agency. Great signing. Tremendous game today. Jermaine, uh, um... Larry Ogunjobi had some good tackles today, I thought. Corners played well. Awuzie played well. Even Eli Apple made a play. But again, the, the defense can only do so much. DJ Reader had a sack today. They can only do so much. The offense has to start coming up with game plans. Are you going to run the football? Are you going to come out and sling it? And if you do come out and sling it, know where you are on the field. Take all, uh, take all facets to the game into account, and call plays accordingly. They just go out there, and whatever works, works. That doesn't win you a lot of games in this league. And not to say that Chicago is a bad team, but they're not up there with the Chiefs and the Ravens and you know the Bills of the world or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, obviously, they made the playoffs last year. They're, I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team. But if you can't beat Chicago then how do you expect to go into Pittsburgh or Baltimore or Cleveland or really any other game and expect to win with a game plan or, I guess, lack thereof, like that today? I mean, if you want to beat the best of the best, not saying the Steelers are one of the best teams in the NFL, but they're playing pretty well. Yeah, they lost the Raiders, but they played pretty well. In week one, they beat the Bills on the road. That's a uh, game today against the Raiders, a pretty good Raiders team who has been out 2-0. Um, and you want to go into Pittsburgh and expect a win, that's not going to happen. If you can't beat Chicago, a team that I think most people thought the Bengals beat, then you can't go to Pittsburgh, you can't go to Baltimore, you can't go anywhere and expect a win with a game plan like that because you have all these weapons and you just need to know how to utilize them, and that's just our problem right now is the coaching staff just has no idea how to utilize these guys. And it's just it's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating because – the fans know what they're capable of. I think the coaches know what they're capable of, but I just don't, I don't know if it's the lack of, um, you know, 
film study. I don't know if it's a lack of trust or confidence in the players or Joe Burrow or what it may be, but they have to figure it out because you have week three coming up at Pittsburgh, and if they came in like they did today into Pittsburgh, they're going to get killed, kind of like they did last year in Pittsburgh. They got killed. Went in there, didn't even look like they had a game plan. Just guns are blazing, and look what happened. They got killed. And so I, it's hard for me to say right now that I think the Bengals are going to be any better than what they were today next week because I just, quite frankly, have no tr- trust or faith in Zach Taylor. It's hard to right now. And now you go back to, again, this is why winning takes care of a lot of things. When you lose games, you go back to things like, oh, Zach Taylor's only, as you said earlier, 7-26-1 as a head coach in this league. And he's got to start winning games. You know, he, he, he was not able to coach this team to victory today, capitalize off of a win last week. Think about this, Justin. If the Bengals had won today, they'd be 2-0. You go into Pittsburgh with house money. Win, great, but if, you know... If you come up a little bit short, hey, that's okay. Two, well, I mean, it's never okay to lose, but you know, two and one, the fans are excited. The Ring of Honor game is against Jacksonville. Now, they can go into Pittsburgh, play a great game, and win. And then all we're talking about today goes out the window. We have a much better tone on the show or a much more positive tone next week. It can happen, but this coaching staff has to know what they have. In their talent. Let's talk about Joe Burrow uh, further because, again, you know, we know he has the it factor to him. We know his intangibles. We know he put up great stats last year. He was on pace to have one of the best statistical rookie seasons for any quarterback in the history of the league. But, Justin, while last year the losses may not have been fully attributed to his play, the loss today is... And it leads me to this question. We all have this love affair with him because of how great he was at LSU, because of his personality, because he became you know a sensation here in this city when he smoked a cigar after LSU's national championship victory. But, Justin, if he's only won three games and 12 starts, he has a win percentage of, what, around 30%? For as great as he is and for as talented as he is? Uh, I mean, are we at a point where, you know, we have to start judging what he's doing in games to win this team football games. Because your identity as a quarterback is formed, I think, within the first three years of a quarterback's career. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. And the thing that frustrated me the the most is everyone talking about, um, well, especially last year, with everyone saying, oh, you know, Justin Herbert is so much better than Joe Burrow. They you know, they, they're going to regret taking Justin Herbert. And, you know, obviously we're all like, oh, no. Of course Joe Burrow was the right pick, the reigning national college champion, Heisman Trophy winner, um, all the accolades, all the awards, whatever it may be. Um, and now you're seeing Joe Burrow struggle, get severely injured his first year, and then, you know, starting to struggle a little bit this year, um, you know, just through, through two games. Well, more of this game, not really last week. And then Justin Herbert, he had one of the best statistical rookie years for a quarterback ever last year. And he's playing fantastic this year, too. He's already started off to a very good start. And so now it's like, is Joe Burrow actually not as good as Justin Herbert? Because we're defending Joe Burrow, and I'm still going to defend Joe Burrow. I still think he's a very good quarterback. He has all the talent in the world. But he has to start proving it here soon. And you're right. I think the first three years of an NFL quarterback's um, play is really what's going to determine the rest of their career because all the greats yeah they may have started off to a bad start look at Peyton Manning his rookie year he threw the record for most interceptions I, I can't even remember how many it was it was like 20 or something um and you know he ended up being a hall of famer and now Joe Burrow you know if he can't turn it around soon we might have to ask ourselves is he the long-term guy not I, and I don't want to get ahead of myself asking if Joe Burrow is a long-term guy because I do think he is but it's just a matter of if he doesn't get the right coaching and he doesn't have the right schemes around him and the right personnel, then that's going to be bad news for us because I don't want to waste his talent. We all know how talented he is, but it's just a matter of are the guys around him, coaching him, playing with him, going to be good enough for him to get to that level to, you know, to what we all know that he can get to. It is only one game that he's thrown three interceptions. You know, so there is that. 
and every quarterback is going to have a bad game. But again, when 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 a team loses and when the team you cover loses, you come up with more questions. And now we're starting to question Joe Burrow. Here was a, you know, here was Burrow today with the game hanging in the balance. He simply did not deliver. Last week he did, but when the ball was put in his hands, he did not deliver. And you can go back to the game against Indianapolis last year when he threw that interception late in the game to the Colts' Julian Blackman. He was trying to hit Tyler Boyd over the middle. Julian Blackman, you know, read the play the entire time. You can go back to, um, that was that's really the only prime example. So, you know, last week he had his first game-winning drive. This week he had three interceptions. But it's just about, you know, establishing consistency. You know, he's he's not a rookie anymore. He is now a second-year quarterback carrying massive expectations. And while we, you know, there are other problems with this organization, at the end of the day, those in positions of leadership are the ones that are most open to, are the, are the ones who are most subjected to criticism, and that's what Joe Burrow is here. He is the subject of criticism for today's performance. And, you know, he's got a, a huge opportunity to bounce back at Pittsburgh next week. And there are those who are going to say, oh my gosh, the offensive line, you know, how are they going to block Pittsburgh's front four? And, you know, what is the coaching staff going to do to, you know, get this team ready to play? Because I'll tell you right now, Mike Tomlin will have his team ready to play. Mike Tomlin is probably furious tonight. His team lost to Las Vegas. Short week, coming cross country, first home game with fans in two years, and the Steelers go out with and put up that kind of performance, let Derek Carr throw for 385 yards on them. You better believe he'll have that defense ready to play and salivating over the film because as um, Tim McGee brought this up tonight on post-game sports talk, the Steelers, if they study the Bears' film on what they did to the Bengals, they are gonna they're gonna beat the Bengals like they did last year in Pittsburgh, thirty-six to ten. But if the Bengals have a plan, if the Bengals can match their physicality, I mean, here you go. I mean, this team has flashed. This team has you know talent, but are they physical enough to play with the Steelers? Can they match that physicality? And for Joe Burrow, who still has not won a road game, again were infatuated by his growth last year throughout his rookie season, particularly that three-game stretch in late October, early November. That's fine. But eventually you have to start asking yourself, is, he, is his performance leading to victories? And it better start happening soon. Because right now, I feel like we are a world away from him coming in after that tremendous season at LSU. We are a world away from that. And I still believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in this offense. But at some point in time, Burrow's going to have to start, you know, he's going to have to start making throws when the game's on the line. And he made some questionable decisions today outside of the three interceptions. Trying to make throws in the tight windows. You know, he hasn't run yet this season. I'm starting to wonder, you know, is he fully back? I'm starting to wonder that too. And the answer is maybe he's not. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I was watching the game today, and I was like, you know, even though he's taking all these hits and, like, you know, for good reason, he probably is nervous about hurting that knee again or just, you know, getting hurt in general because he's getting killed. The offensive line is just getting him killed. And I'm just saying, is he mentally prepared to do this? I mean, obviously he would never say if he wasn't, you know, fully there mentally, he would never admit to being, um, you know, precautionary about his knee or being nervous, but it kind of looks like he is sometimes. I mean, three picks on three straight drives, and you're getting the ball out of your hands fast, but you're making questionable decisions, and if your only goal is just get the ball out of your hands fast because you don't want to get hit, I mean, wouldn't you rather stay in the pocket a little bit, you know, maybe face some of that pressure, and then have more time to make a better throw because that interception today, I believe it was a, it was a second one. Um, and I can't remember for the life of me who intercepted that one. It was Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Jalen Johnson. Yeah. It was his first career interception. Um, Jalen Johnson was eyeing down Joe Burrow the entire time. I mean, 
if he even if he if Joe Burrow had even looked over his way, he would see that Jalen Johnson was just salivating at the idea that Joe Burrow was going to throw his way because it was such an easy interception. And Joe Burrow, he just got got the ball out of his hands real fast and threw it T Higgins' way, and it just picked off. It was the easiest one of the easiest interceptions I've ever seen Joe Burrow throw. And it's and it's just like you have to ask you have to ask yourself. It's like is he ready to play? I mean, yeah, the whole offseason they talked about, you know, Joe Burrow's comeback, this and that. And, the, and it's awesome to have the fans and the organization hyping Joe Burrow up, but if he's not ready, then all that means nothing. Yeah, you have all the weapons in the world that you could ask for, but if your quarterback, the guy getting, giving those guys the ball, isn't fully there mentally, and maybe not even all the way there physically, then it doesn't really matter. Okay, so if we've established that, what does that tell? What should that tell the coaching staff? What the game plan should be next Sunday? Run the ball more. Oh, and who do we have? Who do the Bengals have, Justin, that can run the football at least twenty times a game? Joe Mixon. Oh, didn't okay. Didn't Joe Mixon lead the AFC in rushing yards in twenty eighteen when Frank Pollock was here as the run game coordinator? He sure did. Or he was at least the offensive line coach. Oh, okay. So if that's a known fact, then shouldn't they just use some common sense and say, you know what? We're going to run the football. Especially against the Steelers. Justin, I hope two things for, for next Sunday. One, the Bengals win. Two, Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt. Am I, am I fair to hope that? Uh, yeah, no. I, the last two games, every single time that Joe Burrow gets hit, I'm just holding my breath because I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I mean, he did come up limping that one time against Minnesota after the sack. He landed awkwardly on his ankle. But every time he gets hit these last two games, I'm just holding my breath, hoping that he's okay. Okay, and, and yes, you, you know, that is very concerning. Because nine sacks through two games. I mean, here we are where this team was last year. And they better get this offensive line figured out you know, the right five guys. Are the are, are the right five guys out there right now? I don't know. I mean, and the thing that frustrates me too is like, at least when you see Xavier Suofilo struggling, you know, maybe throw Jackson Carmen in there. You drafted him in the second round for a reason. Yeah, yes. he, might have not, he might have not had the greatest offseason, offseason, the greatest training camp or preseason, but you have to give him some real game some real game time. I mean, if you're going to draft a guy in the second round, that's supposed to be a guy that you want on the field every week on Sunday. And if you're just keeping him on the bench for a guy who might not even be that much better than him in Xavier Suofilo or Quentin Spain, I think Xavier Suofilo is more of the problem in Spain, but at least give him some time, see what he can do. Did he learn from him from his mistakes all training camp? Did he get in better shape? Is he better now than what he was in the preseason? We don't know, and we won't know until he actually gets some game time. Exactly. He was your second-round pick who you traded down to get. Oh, and and you're just going to leave him on the bench and expect him to learn that way? No. What he needs is experience. He needs to be thrown in there, and, you know, if he makes a mistake, okay, but at least there's tape. And you can learn from a guy like Xavier Suofilo. You can learn from a guy like Frank Pollock. He needs to be out there, though, if something's not working. And you can say, well, how long do you go with, you know, what you're, what you're doing with, what you're going with right now until you determine it doesn't work? Through two games, yes, that might not be a small sample. That might not be a large enough sample size as the Ravens just scored to potentially tie the game. But you have to be willing to take a chance and start Jackson Carmen. What about Deontay Smith? Fourth-round pick, he had a great training camp. I remember I thought there was no way he was making the team. He did. It had not been for a dehydration and a dehydration battle uh, the week leading up to the Washington preseason game. He could have, you know, he might have worked his way up to being a starter. I mean, that's how great of a camp he was having. And so you have options. But I don't think you can run, I don't know if you can run out the same five offensive linemen next week, and expected to work against the Steelers, who T.J. Watt may not play next week with the groin injury he suffered today, but that doesn't mean that Pittsburgh's just going to sit back and let you dink and dunk all over them. No, they're going to come after you. 
because they know they can't. You have to be willing to make some adjustments, try something different, but you have to figure out who you have. Come in with a plan. Don't just say, well, we're going to try this. Well, we're going to try that. No, I don't care how great Joe Burrow is. He needs a game plan. When 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 he was when he was at LSU, Justin, did it look to you like LSU had a plan every time they went out and played? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's because Ed Orge. That's because Ed Orgeron knew Ed Orgeron, Joe Brady, and Steve Ensminger. They knew who they had with their personnel. Zach Taylor, I don't th- I don't know if he does. You know, he's done some good things. He can preach positivity. You know, he can say how, you know, the Bengals handled the tough defense of Chicago, how they battled back to make it a three-point game. At the end of the day, this is an organization that the last now two-plus years has gone 1-15-1 in 17 road games. Joe Burrow has not won a road game in his career. We're infatuated by the progress he made last year. We know these massive expectations, and we're salivating over what he can do with the weapons that he has. But, Justin, he hasn't done crap yet. No, I mean, he hasn't. And the thing that I was questioning myself and questioning, um, you know, just about the Bengals in general was we hear all offseason. I mean, we hear it every single offseason is all the players, all the coaches, the organization, they say, you know, this year's different. There's a different feel in the locker room. Um, you know, there's a different vibe. I think these, this team is much more talented, whatever it may be. But is it really? I mean, yeah, we hear it, and it's awesome to see, and we get so we get so hyped up over all the players saying, you know, this year's going to be different. We're going to start turning those losses into wins, um, you know, start one of the big big games and make the plays when they matter the most. But it's just, when is that going to change? When is that going to change? Because you just lost on the road at Chicago and barely beat a Minnesota team at home in overtime, and you let them come back on you. So it's just like... They could easily be 0-2. They barely beat the Vikings. And you go into week three in Pittsburgh, and it's like, unless you keep the game very close, honestly, if they, not, they don't even have to win. But if they kept the game very close and it went down to the, went down to the final whistle, then, then that, I might say, okay, this team is different. Even though they lost, they actually went on the road against Pittsburgh, kept it close, and... You know, I can actually see some tangible progress because we can talk about last year's Monday Night Football win against the Steelers all we want. That was a beat-up Steelers team that was going downhill fast. And, yeah, we had a third-string third quarterback. That's great, but that game doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we beat Pittsburgh at home. That's awesome on prime time. But we didn't go to the playoffs. The Steelers did. Yeah, they got killed by the Browns, but they still went to the playoffs. And I don't want that to just be an outlier. I don't want that to be the only game the Bengals fans can talk about when we mention how the Steelers always beat up on the Bengals. Like, oh, well, you know, we beat you that one Monday night football uh, last year. So it's just, if we want to actually be respected in this division and actually have a chance to be competitive and make the playoffs, like so many of these players and coaches have talked about, you know, getting to, it's like they have to go into Pittsburgh and at least keep it close. If you go into Pittsburgh and get blown out, then I'm ready to, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm ready to throw in the towel, but I think Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are the two of the closest matched teams in the entire division. And you got to keep it close. You just have to. And I'm, you know, I think Zach Taylor is very much on the hot seat. You go into Pittsburgh next week and you get blown out, then, you know, maybe we start calling for his job. I'm not there yet because at the end of the day, this is just one loss. It's a bad loss. Even though the game, even though the final score ended up being twenty to seventeen, you know, but again, we talk about identity. We talk about you know capitalizing off of success, as you brought up earlier, Justin. And this coaching staff, like, you know, when they're given success, they don't they 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 do not know how to you know how to handle that, you know, handle success. You know, keep your team, you know, I, I saw a quote that, or something that, you know, the, you know, the team, you know, partied hard after the win Sunday. You got to keep your team focused because I said it, the first two games of this season, Minnesota and Chicago, we're going to prepare them for Pittsburgh next Sunday. 
after week one, I'm like, okay, maybe they will be. You know, they handle Minnesota's pressure. They handle their weapons. They they had a game plan defensively, at least, and offensively maybe too. But then today, it's like you watch them against Chicago. Very vanilla. Very pedestrian at best. And it's like, are they ready to play Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore? Because after watching them t- today, I don't think they are. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think we can sit up here today and say they are. And you talk about success. You talk about getting a twenty-one-seven lead and going for it on fourth down last week against last week against Minnesota, which I was not against. I was for it. But I think about it now, and you can't be reckless with the lead. Like, oh my gosh, we have a lead. What am I supposed to do? It's one thing. If you're at midfield and you go for it, that's fine. I can live with that. Absolutely. And I still don't uh, disagree with the decision to go for it last week at their own 30-yard line. But, Justin, again, we look at Zach Taylor. Does he have an identity as a head coach? Is he qualified to be a head coach? We see head coaches in this league and their teams dance circles around the Bengals. And now the Bengals have Joe Burrow, this, you know, one of the most talented quarterback prospects to come out of the college ranks in years. And it's like they're not taking advantage of it. Yes, there are some things that Burrow needs to, needs to get better. He can't keep staring down receivers. He's got to make better decisions. I think there are some things mentally he still needs to get over. I think he will. But I don't know. I, I don't know if this is meshing. I don't know if Burrow and what Zach Taylor's trying to do, if we even know what he's trying to do, are meshing. And if they're not, a change needs to be made. I don't care if it comes in week five of this season. I don't care if... You know, whatever. This game Sunday at Pittsburgh is going to reveal a lot about this team's identity, if they if they even have one. It's going to it's going to reveal a lot about if this coaching staff can get this team ready to play, if they come in with a plan, if they're able to bounce back, if they're able to get a marquee win on the road, send a message to the fans that yes, things are different this year. Get some fans in the stadium for the Ring of Honor game on Thursday night, September thirtieth, and then you're likely to start the season three and one. Then there's some positivity. Then there's coaching with, you know, some momentum. But ah, it's just like today was a total, you know, back-to-earth game. And it didn't have to be that way. If they had just come prepared, if they had come with a plan, and if you say you're going to coach aggressive, coach aggressive. If you're going to run the ball, run the ball. Just have a plan and, you know, come out with it. If things don't work, make adjustments. Don't just wing it. That's what I feel like this coaching staff is doing. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it'll be a tough game. Pittsburgh has some injuries. Um, you know, TJ Watt sounds like he'll be out for next week's game, next week's game with a groin injury. Um, the other defensive lineman, Tyson Alalula, um, he reportedly suffered a fractured ankle. Um, Devin Bush and Joe Hayden both didn't even play in this game because of um, groin injuries. And then Deontay Johnson, he got hurt in the last play of the game. Uh, I don't know how severe that is. So it's a beat-up Pittsburgh team. And who knows what you know? Who knows what their injuries are going to be like come next Sunday? But considering that they might be missing two of their best defensive linemen, yeah, they still have Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith and a bunch of really good rotational pieces. They're beat up. They don't have arguably the best edge rusher in the entire NFL in T.J. Watt, and then another really good defensive lineman in Tyson Alalula. So it's like if you can, if you go in there and your offensive line is getting killed by a bunch of backups, it's it's going to be hard to watch. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm scared for Joe Burrow because at this rate, it just looks like he's going to get hurt again. And, you know, if that happens, then I mean, I don't even want to think about it, but if, I mean, if that happens then the season's basically over. Oh, it is. If Burrow goes down, the season's over. Like, yeah, Brandon Allen, if he has to, you know, come in, he's going to have, the, he's going to have the weapons to work with. No, no question, but it won't be the same if Joe Burrow's not here. Now, uh, let's run through some scores from the uh, rest of the league today. You mentioned the Steelers; they lost to the Raiders today, twenty-eight to uh, or twenty-six to seventeen. Rather, Derek Carr, another tremendous game 
uh, for him. 385 yards passing, two touchdowns. I mean, he's got 820 yards passing through the Raiders' first two games of the season. Las Vegas, 2-0 on the season. Other scores, uh, we got the Patriots beating the Jets today, 25-6. Congratulations to Mac Jones' first win as an NFL quarterback. The Patriots' defense, though, Justin, the story forcing four interceptions from Zach Wilson. Yeah, he did not look impressed with it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Jets, I don't know, they might be kicking themselves in the foot with, uh, or kicking them, or shoot, I'm so dumb, shooting themselves did in you, the did foot. You, did you say shoot or a word you shouldn't mention? Uh, I was shooting themselves in the foot for taking... Okay. You're not, uh, this did not go out over the air, and it's a podcast, so you can say it. No, sorry, I was. Just, they, I meant to say they shot themselves. They might be shooting themselves in the foot, taking Zach Wilson okay. over guys like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, maybe even Mac Jones. We'll see. I mean, four interceptions—that's pretty bad. But I thought three interceptions for Joe Burrow was bad. Four interceptions—that is not good. No, it is not. Uh, another quarterback who struggled today, Trevor Lawrence, two interceptions. Jaguars lose to Denver, twenty-three thirteen. Teddy Bridgewater today. Uh, 286 yards passing, two touchdowns once again, 26 of 34. Has Denver found their quarterback? I think so, and I definitely did not expect it to come in the form of Teddy Bridgewater, but hey, I'm happy for him after all he's been through, the terrible, the devastating injury he had, um, you know, spending time, so much time in Minnesota trying to turn that team around. Now he's with the Broncos, and he's thriving, he's playing well, so I'm happy for them. Me too. Uh, Denver 2-0. and They go back home for their home opener next week against the Jets. You have to think they're going to win that game. They're, they could be 3-0. and uh, The Bills beating the Dolphins 35-0. Buffalo bouncing back from last week's loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, story from that game, though, Justin. Tua Tagovailoa, Miami's quarterback, carted off the field with bruised ribs. Uh, how concerned are you for Tua and Miami? I'm very concerned, considering that Miami was, you know, Tua's name was popping up in trade talks. For Miami this offseason, and now you go in to the rest of the season, which I mean, assuming two is going to be out for an extended period of time, if not the rest of the season, who knows how severe the injury is. But if you go in with Jacoby Brissett as your starting quarterback each week, um, you know, it's not looking too good. And that division is a, you know, pretty pretty good division. I just don't think that they're going to have any shot at it, shot at it if two is down. Uh, Tua, uh, we will find out the injury diagnosis and the prognosis. Uh, later this week, I'm sure the Dolphins falling to one and one. Uh, San Francisco beating Philadelphia in a very weird score, 27 to 11. The Niners 2 and 0 home opener next Sunday night against Green Bay. That should be a really fun game. Uh, the Rams beat the Colts 27-24. Cooper Cup two touchdowns over 160 yards receiving. Story from that game though, just another quarterback going down. Carson Wentz quote rolled his ankle quote pretty bad. Once again, the injury bug hitting Carson Wentz. Colts 0-2. Their season might be falling off the rails very quickly. Yeah, and if you go the rest of the season with Jacob Eason, similar to Miami with Jacoby Brissett, you're not looking too good. Granted, they did play very well at home against, you know, a possible Super Bowl contender in the Rams, who are hot right now. Um, But, you know, Carson Wentz going down, that's huge. And later on in the season, hopefully he can, you know, stay healthy because I think this team actually has a really good shot at making the playoffs, but with no Carson Wentz, they don't have any chance. We have a really nice start for the Rams 2-0. They are home next week to Tampa Bay. What a matchup that's going to be. Um, the Browns beat the Texans 31-21, to getting their first win of the season. Baker Mayfield, 19 of 21, 213, uh, two touchdowns, or was it one touchdown, one or two touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, Shocker of the day, if you ask me, Carolina crushing New Orleans 26-7. Sam Darnold, 305 passing yards, two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had a great game uh, running and receiving, had a rushing touchdown. Uh, five receptions for 65 yards as well. Carolina, 2-0, Thursday night matchup at Houston this coming week. Uh, the Vikings, what a shootout game this turned out to be. 34-33, they lose to Arizona. Missing Greg Joseph, their kicker, missing a 37-yard field goal at the gun to try to win the game. Kyler Murray over 400 yards passing. Justin, are you concerned for Minnesota that their season could be falling off the rails? Not not yet. We'll see how they do in the division. With Who knows how Green Bay is going to you know, come back after losing so bad to the Saints in week one. 
Um, you know, they play Monday Night Football tomorrow against Detroit. But Chicago's not very good. The Green, Green Bay isn't very good. And so, you know, maybe, maybe they have a shot at the division. We'll see. We'll see. But the big highlight from that game for me is A.J. Green catching that touchdown pass. I thought that was awesome to see. Awesome to see. I don't have any bad blood for A.J. Green. I'm super happy for him, and I'm glad to see him in a good offense, uh, you know, thriving. And no question about that. Uh, one of three touchdown passes for Kyler Murray today. The Buccaneers absolutely obliterating the Falcons 48-25. Tom Brady with his ninth career game of five passing touchdowns or more. He's got four straight games of four-plus touchdowns. That's tied for the second-longest streak going back to 1950. Tampa Bay 2-0, as we mentioned, they're at the Rams next Sunday. Surprise upset here, Justin. Tennessee goes into Seattle, trails by 15 in the second half, rallies to win in overtime, 33-30. to Derrick Henry, an absolute monster. 237 yards from scrimmage, 181 on the ground, three touchdowns total. Titans beat the Seahawks. Are you back on the Tennessee bandwagon? Because I'm starting to be that way. They have an amazing offense. They have a ton of weapons. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is a very good, he's a very serviceable quarterback. He's not a star guy. He's not going to be making the Pro Bowl every year. But if you have these weapons around you, then, you know, the sky's the limit for this offense. You know, the defense needs a little tweaking. I think they didn't play very well today. But coming back and being able to beat Seattle on the road, a very hostile environment, the 12th man, that's no joke come back on the road and beat them in overtime, you know, I think, they, I think they have a shot. I think this is a very good team. You know, one game last week, I don't think that determines the rest of their season. Um, I, should, you know, I should take my own advice. I would just talk crap about the Bengals for the last hour after one game. But, you know, I'm back in the Tennessee bandwagon. I think they're going to have a lot of potential to do very good this season. And Tennessee, they are uh, back home next Sunday against the Colts. Another winnable game. Uh, and a division that's not very good. They could uh, get some early momentum and uh, be in a great position uh, for the meat of the season. And finally, Justin, the game of the week on CBS, Dallas beats the Chargers 20-17. to Greg Zerline with a game-winning 56-yard field goal at the gun. Dak Prescott, another great game. Justin Herbert struggled a little bit. Dallas now 1-1. One one. Excuse me, they play home against Philadelphia next Monday night. All right, so... That's that. Monday Night Football tomorrow night, Detroit and Green Bay, 815 on ESPN. Uh, Green Bay hosting the game, of course. Both teams losing last week. Green Bay getting absolutely destroyed by New Orleans. So, Justin, as we close, um, obviously we know what next week is. It's Steeler week. It starts tomorrow. The Steelers loom on the Bengals' schedule. It's at Pittsburgh next Sunday, 1 o'clock on CBS. Um, This is... I'm not saying this is a must-win game, but if you want to send a message to your fans that this is a, that this is different, that things are different, this is a game you win. And I think, like I said earlier, you don't have to win it. I don't think it's a must-win game, but they have to at least keep it close, and they have to come in with a game plan. If you come in to Pittsburgh next week, like you how you did today in Chicago, that is going to be a beatdown. They have to take advantage of the injuries that Pittsburgh has losing their best defensive lineman, losing another one of their very good defensive linemen, Tyson Alalula. Deontay Johnson is hurt, and who knows what the injury status of Devin Bush and Joe Hayden will be. They didn't play today. Who knows what their injury status will be like for next weekend. So take advantage of those injuries. Come out with a game plan. Show that you learn from your mistakes. Don't keep running the same old crap that you ran last week that didn't work. Don't come out on a bunch of empty sets. Come out, run the ball, and don't shy away from it, and get Joe Mixon in a rhythm. That's going to be the biggest key for that game. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, we also have a big announcement coming on Friday. We've obviously been recording episodes of this podcast, but we have not officially launched it yet. That's going to change on Friday. So add that to Steelers Week. That'll make it fun. Preview show next Saturday. Reaction show next Sunday after the game. I mean, this is this is the first division game of the season. And... I mean, we talk about setting a tone. You want to set the tone for the season. This is the game to do it in. And uh, Justin, any final thoughts before we close as the Ravens look to even the score of 21 before halftime here at the time that this is being recorded? I just want to say, even though we just basically talked crap about the Bengals for the last hour, 
it is just one game. Yeah, it was a pretty bad loss at Chicago, a game that we should have won. Um, you know, I'm very disappointed in Zach Taylor in this offense. But, hey, the defense played, played incredible. And I think we're starting to see a turn because the defense has been terrible the last few years. And they're actually getting after the quarterback, making plays. They have a lot of new pieces. Trey Hendrickson is playing phenomenal. BJ, what about B.J. Hill? He's played phenomenal. And is, after just getting traded for Billy Price from New York, he's played phenomenal. Two sacks in the first game. He played well today. Larry Joby. this defensive line is no joke. Um, You're right. But it's one game, learn from it, move on, and beat Pittsburgh next week. They've gotten some really nice – they've gotten some great pressure on opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks, and you have to continue that, especially against a team like Pittsburgh, if you're going to try and beat them. You have to match their physicality. And if you're able to do that, there's a good chance that the Bengals will be in a position to win that game. Thank you for those who listened to this edition of the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. Uh, the Bengals fall into the Bears today, 20-17 to in Chicago. But as Justin, you mentioned, we're only two games into what is a 17-game season. Still a lot of time to figure out what this team's identity is. Still a lot of time to get some wins. Still a lot of time to get things corrected. But game plans are necessary. We will talk to you next Saturday. For Justin Cashman, I'm Alex Frank on the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next Saturday, and good night.